Welcome to the very first Beer City Hopcast. I'm your host, Taylor Darling, and today we're going to be talking about funky beer. Uh, with me today is Mitch Ermatinger, proprietor of Speciation Artisan Ales, John Vanderplug, co-brewer of the Mitten Brewing Company's Farm Team Project, and Josh Rake, proprietor of Rake Beer Project. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Um, so first off, I see in front of us we got some beer. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Can we... Can we like dive into that? Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Good way that's to a start. Good, that's a good way to start. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What should we drink nice first? Transition. Okay. Uh, well, I see one of them's definitely open. Oh wait, no. No. I, I just popped the the top off, but there's a cork underneath. A hidden gotcha. cork. Well, let's maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of gravitating towards that. All right, let's do yeah, it. Sure. It's cool. already halfway there. Let's just definitely interesting. Yeah. So this is uh, Mitch from Speciation Artisan Ales. Um, we're going to be opening the Laurentian series, uh, Lake Superior. Uh, it's a series we're doing uh, of spontaneously fermented beers where we go to each lake and capture wild yeast from that lake and fermented beer spontaneously with uh, those cultures. What do, what do you mean, like, from the actual lake itself or just from, like, the lake shore area? Or? From the lake shore area. Sometimes it's not really possible to get, like, literally right next to the lake. Sure. Um, so, yeah, lake shore area. Okay. Um, and then this one also has, this is from Lake Superior, and it also has huckleberries in it. And the huckleberries came from a farm that grew them just for us. I didn't think huckleberries was an actual berry. It's an actual berry, and they're very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we corked so, uh, all the way in and then capped on top of this. What do you mean capped on top? Um, it's kind of like extra protection uh, for extended aging. Okay. Who's first? I'll take it, sure. Why not? Oh, man, it's pretty. It's like a nice... Uh, Kool-Aid nice. purple? Yeah, like Kool-Aid purple. purple, exactly. Beautiful. That's nice. Nice pink head. Thank you, sir. Mm. It smells great. It does. Oh, yeah. So where did you actually capture the... Uh, the microbes for this? Uh, so this was, um, we brewed it at Ordock and Marquette. Mm. And um, we parked the trailer about a mile and a half away. Um, so we basically had boiling wort in a trailer and left it there overnight with the trailer open. Kind of like the Black Rocks kind of area? or? Uh, yeah, actually pretty close to there. It's like a cool ship? or Yeah, it's like a mobile cool ship. So we put two stainless steel open tanks next to each other and used it as a cool ship. Uh, I mean, they're just our fermenters most of the time. Are they like the IBCs or? I, yep, stainless okay. IBC So you basically just have that, like, that center uh, circle. Mm -hmm. kind yep, of it's just off. a foot and a half manway, 18 inch manway or something okay. like that. Nice. And we just left it open. And uh, we had a cool ship at the time, but it was, uh, it didn't fit in our trailer because I didn't measure the doors correctly. So <laughs> I was one inch off. Uh, so... We didn't bring that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, I I guess I realized maybe people listening might not exactly know what funky beer is or what mixed culture fermentation is. Um, I mean, does anyone want to, like, I guess, take the reins on that? I nominate Mitch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I can, I can handle that, I think. Um, so mixed culture fermentation is... Uh, Basically, uh, most brewers yeast or brewers 
most beers are brewed with one strain of yeasts, like a Saccharomyces. Um, mixed culture is when you take uh, brewer's yeast, but also something else, maybe Britannomyces, which is just wild yeast. That's air quotes on wild. Um, or Lactobacillus, a bacteria, or Pediococcus, a bacteria. So I, I kind of view mixed culture fermentation as when you take any two of those out of that like pool that I just said and use it to ferment a beer. I mean, so I, I've heard, you know, obviously I, earlier I said the term funky beer. Uh, does that apply to just that? Or I, mean, I guess what I'm asking is, is there a hard definition for what constitutes funky beer? No. Especially lately, no. Well, where do you draw the line? I mean, I it's I don't even know if a line needs to be drawn, honestly. A lot of people want to draw lines and want to be, like, categorize things, and I just want to make beer and... But, I mean, I guess, this, I guess I mean to say, at what point, you know, um, between, like, traditional craft beer, traditional, air quotes, craft beer, and funky beer, like, where... Is there a line in the sand that can be drawn? And I guess I mean to say, so, like, say, for instance, I, I brew a traditional uh um you know cream ale and i add lactic acid to it does that make does that instantaneously put it into the realm of funky beer or no i don't think so i don't think so So, okay so there is a line so just because beer is sour doesn't necessarily mean it's yeah i think and i think that's true it kind of takes up their own definition definitely for kind of what what they're looking for sure um yeah so maybe the important part is the like the microbes that you're using. I guess for me, it's like if we're talking about funky beer, it's always going to be mixed mixed culture. That's so that might be the line. Yeah, more than <laughs> more than just straight brewer's yeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that could it could manifest itself in you know unlimited different flavor combinations. Um, but if we're talking specifically about funky beer, then yeah, I'd just say it's mixed culture fermentation. Yeah, that makes might sense. not always be like super funky and like hay and you know goats and that kind of thing sure god cheesy uh, cheesy yeah (laughs) like it doesn't necessarily have to mean that but um i think there's obviously a huge spectrum there it can be pretty clean i know there's a few breweries who do like skirt skirt around actually having to use the various microbes um i guess probably out of fear of cross-contamination and that kind of stuff to i guess emulate you know those styles that have become popular in the uh um the mixed culture fermentation world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's just mostly a lot of breweries that don't have the capability to do mixed culture, and they want a goza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they'll do yeah. a kettle sour, or hopefully not just add lactic acid, but some of them do that too. Sure. Um, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think I think that's always great as long as there's communication with the consumer as to what's actually the process behind uh, each beer. So yeah, if you're doing a basically a kettle soured goza. Don't try to sell it off as, uh, you know, uh, mixed fermentation beer. Hmm. You know that kind of thing. Don't try to sell it as something that's way more complex than it actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. I, I mean, guess actually, I've got a question there for you guys. So kettle souring wouldn't be mixed fermentation in your view because the microbes aren't interacting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, because I mean, essentially, you're using the lactobacillus uh, fermentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, or acidification as, uh, you know, kind of your way to get uh, lactic acid into oh, absolutely. the beer, and then you're killing it. 
Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. And it can't play with the other. It can't actually affect the fermentation with the Saccharomyces at that point. I mean, so. it could, but really it's more the acid that's yeah. that's affecting the Saccharomyces, Certainly. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's other brewers might disagree, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I definitely don't see it as mixed fermented. Not that there's anything wrong with Kelsey. I mean, it's no. just... I don't know. Yeah, at the mid, obviously, we one of our most popular beers yeah. is, is done via kettle sour. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I've never viewed it that way. I've never seen it as, like, oh, hey, this isn't actually, like, in that realm. Um, because we did use the bacteria to achieve those flavors kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to, I guess, control uh, to what extent you know, it, it has an impact on the beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I personally don't view it in a bad way. I mean, I think that it gives you a lot more control over what the finished beer is going to be. Um, but, yeah, I just think, like I said, as long as people are honest about what the process is behind it, like you guys are at the Mitten, sure. then, you know, you could call it funky if you want to, really. So. Sure, sure. And that's only one facet at the Mitten, honestly. Yeah. We have one kettle sour, and then... Most of our sours are actually live lacto, playing yeah. with the Saccharomyces. Yeah, we, that's one of, yeah. like you said, many. Many, yeah. yeah. I mean, is is transparency, like, is that important, you think, to the customer? I think it should be. I think it should be important to us as the people that are making it, and uh, that should definitely bleed into consumers. It's I mean, Yeah, it's definitely important to us. You know, but yeah, I guess when you think about the customer who sits down, they have a beer, and it tastes just like something else that they had that was done a completely different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then maybe it, I don't know, it, it might not matter to them so much. And I'm not an advocate for either or. I think it depends on the consumer in a lot of ways. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I think the biggest thing with the whole uh, with that whole situation is that there can be different price points for mm-hmm. different styles. So there's know, a value whereas, associated with. Yeah. With, for a reason. Yeah, because you usually have to age it longer and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different types of processes that can be more cost uh, cost more. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I see right here on on, uh, on this label for the, uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? Laurentian. Laurentian. Yeah. Uh, the Laurentian, I see it's been barely aged for 21 months. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a cost associated with storing Big. the beer for that long. Big cost. Yeah, for us. I mean, we only have room for about 120 oak barrels so if there's something that takes up the space of two barrels in the time that you know 21 months or something like that a lot of our spirit barrel aged beers can be turned in four weeks wow Uh, well not turned but that's how long they're in the barrel for Mm -hmm. so if there's something that's sitting for 21 months I could turn like you know 20 21 spirit barrel aged beers in that time so there's a big opportunity cost there um but then not to mention just that beer in particular. Uh, we drove to Marquette. and uh, <laughs> Yeah. There's all sorts of costs involved. So yeah. That is like the most expensive beer to make sure. ever. Maybe that's us. where the transparency matters is that <clears throat> you're actually promoting something that you've done. You've, yeah. Do you, you know, and I think the customer might, have, might appreciate that you've gone to those lengths to actually do it the right the right way. I know I do as a consumer, no, knowing that somebody put that much effort into something. Uh, I don't think it necessarily makes it taste better, but it makes you appreciate how it tastes more. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and with something like like this, where it's spontaneously fermented, there's even more risk involved in that because conditions have to be right, the microbes have to be right, mm-hmm. everything has to come together. 
far more risk. Yeah, dumping is just a part of the cost of making spontaneously fermented beer too. Where, where does so where does that begin? I mean, you're talking about spontaneous. I mean, so you're literally pulling microbes from the air and hoping that they produce the beer that you want them to make. I mean, in, in I guess in, in, in the process of actually designing this beer, or, or, I mean, do you design it? Do, I mean, I guess to a certain extent you do have to, to you do have to design it, but to what extent? I mean. Um, I think that I kind of lay down the base. Um, I kind of lay down the base, hoping that it's the right base. <laughs> it's gonna and it's gonna produce the right flavors, and it's gonna take years and years of experimenting with, especially hop rates. Um, I think hop rates will really affect our beer long term. Like if we we're using aged, stinky old hops, so like if we use older hops or maybe half a pound per barrel or something like that versus quarter pound per barrel. The half pound per barrel is not going to be very sour. The quarter pound per barrel might be really sour. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like balancing. So I've got to try to do different brews throughout the year, see what works well, blend the ones together that need to be blended, scrap the ones that maybe aren't so good for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So like it's probably going to take me you know, decades to really nail in exactly how I want it. Not to say that what we're doing now isn't good. It's just like we're blending in the best things that we have. And I guess you know, you we also all have the ben the added benefit of being able to blend when uh, something you know may go a little too sour, or something can blend it with something a little less sour. That kind of thing. I That's mean, where we get control back <laughs> after yeah. it's after it's gone crazy. Then we can get control back by blending most of the time. Josh, you've been bump, bouncing around a little bit, um, and now you've decided to go off on your own, start a beer project. Yep. Um, are the doors officially open yet, or? No, the doors are not officially open yet. Uh, we're hoping for a late dis- late spring to midsummer open. Okay. Um, right now. Um, but I'm assuming you've already started brewing some of the stuff that you're going to be serving, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been in the industry um, for about five years now, uh, brewing, sour work, packaging, pretty much anything in a brewery. Um, and so I've been able to, you know, work on some recipes at the different places I've worked at. And um, and now I've been working on pilot batches just to get our own recipes kind of honed in for what, what we'll be doing. What's your take on, um, I guess, the uncertainty of doing what you're doing? From, from what standpoint? I guess from, I mean from the standpoint of, of that, you know, like Mitch said, uh, there is a cost associated with, you know, perhaps having to dump a batch if it doesn't turn out the way that it needs to because of... Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that I, I personally write into my business plan. I think it's just the cost of doing business as a brewer. Um, you know, you always hope that you don't ever have to dump a batch, but, um, you know, occasionally you just have to do it. And... Um, some people decide not to, you know, some people decide to try to do something else with that beer. Um, I've worked at other on, uh, one brewery in specific where they had a clean uh, program and a sour program. So uh, sometimes they were lucky enough to be able to take a clean beer that was infected and just push it over to their sour side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll be doing both clean and sour beer, so we hope to have that kind of opportunity Um but at the end of the day, if a beer is not salvageable, you have to, you just have to dump it. I think. Sure. Are you, are you going to have an actual tap room or? Yeah. Yep. We'll have a, a small tasting room in cool. uh, downtown Muskegon. Yep. So you're not so you're not nice. doing the 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 the, the speciation business model. 
uh, pretty much exactly the speciation business model. Currently. Yeah, currently. <laughs> the yeah. current one. Yeah. Except for we're just jumping forward about a year and a half. Okay. Which is very, <laughs> very smart decision. <laughs> sure, you've, uh, you've skipped a few steps. Yeah, yeah, we've been very lucky to have the help of Mitch, uh, you know, basically through the entire process of getting this thing off the ground. Um, and for us, we didn't really have a lot of financial backing, so coming into the industry this way is the only way that I was personally able to start my own brewery um, because we're doing it the same way where we're not investing into a brew house off the bat. We're going to be brewing elsewhere and then bringing the beer back to ferment in-house. Um, and that just reduces the cost of getting our doors open enough. So yeah, that, absolutely. You know, we're able to pull it off. Yeah, brew house is not cheap. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> and not necessary. Who are you, are you working with? people in Muskegon to brew work? Yeah, so we, we've talked to quite a few different breweries, and right now it's just nailing down the logistics of who's going to be the best option to work with. Um, and we're trying to keep it as close to Muskegon as possible, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we can depend on somebody to to produce the work that we want to have. And so if we have to go outside of Muskegon to get that, then we will. But uh, we think that we have good options, you know, right here, right by us. You know, can so. we drink some of your beer? We yeah, certainly can. Yeah, sure, sure. Mitch, by the way, this is this Laurentian amazing. is awesome. Yeah, Incredible. it's Thank really, you. really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, this is my third time tasting it, and I am, I love it. I think it's officially my favorite beer we've ever made. It's yeah. really, really awesome. It's also beer. the first time I've ever had Huckleberry, so. And, yeah, <laughs> I've, so I've eaten them raw. I've never had it in a beer before. So. They come through really nice in this beer. What is a Huckleberry? Uh, it's actually more closely related to a tomato than a berry. Really? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a nightshade. Um, so it looks like little tiny purple tomatoes. And raw, if you like squish it, it is like so purple. Mm -hmm. uh, if you just get like one drop on your finger, it's going to be stained for days. <laughs> so what do they taste like on their own? Uh, kind of like, it's a, it's a very difficult flavor to describe. Uh, it doesn't taste like a tomato, but it does have kind of like, if you, if you have like a nice, good tomato that's like made for eating on its own. So like in some kind of heirloom like a cherry tomato. tomato or are you talking about a bigger tomato? Yeah, like if you go to a farmer's market and get like an heirloom like little tomato mm -hmm. and taste that and just pick out like the acid profile of that. Sure. You, that comes through in a huckleberry. But then the rest of the flavors are more like herbal um, and then obviously like some berry flavors. There's a reason why it's called mm -hmm. huckleberries. It still tastes kind of like a blueberry. Um, like sweet, sour? Or? Yeah, it's got a sweet, sour, and then a big tannin component, too. Cool. Um, and honestly, the berries themselves taste kind of funky, which works really well with the base beer. I'm so. assuming, because you do a lot of Michigan stuff, that they're grown here in Michigan, too? Yeah, grown in Marquette. Oh, cool. Yeah, this oh, that wow. that's actually part of the reason why this beer is so expensive, is because we talk to a farm in Marquette, like where we cool ship the beer, mm -hmm. and ask them to grow these huckleberries for us so oh wow um, so that cool. whole process it took you know so they weren't previously growing it they were growing little test plots mm -hmm. and then they uh increased that quite a bit because we essentially came to them and said we like this we actually did just one firkin of it before or with you know huckleberry juice and we tasted it and we're like that's we need to Try on a bigger scale <laughs> at, at seven dollars cool. and fifty cents a pound. We were like, I don't know uh, how much I can uh, do, but uh, for reference, most of our fruit is like 
60 cents a pound or sure. something like that. So do you plan to use their their crop once a year type of thing? Yeah, their whole off? crop. Yeah. Wow, I mean, awesome. we, we split our crop a little bit. We uh, sent probably about 30% to Transient, but then the rest we used. And then I think they also sent some to some restaurants in the Marquette area. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what do you got? How about that beer, Josh? Yeah. I got you. So I'll uh, start off. I brought a couple beers today. Um, but I'll start off with our Marley beer, which is um, which will be our house sort of table beer. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. this is my favorite beer that we make. It's a super simple beer. Um, I saw the ABV and got really excited. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> we looking at? So, uh, yeah, so it's about 3.9%. Oh, yeah. Which, Stable when it goes beer. into, like, serious production, it'll be closer to 35 we're hoping. Beautiful. Um, got a pretty simple grist of uh, just Pilsner oat and wheat milk. Beautiful. And then uh, fermented with 100% Britannomyces fermentation. But um, we also pitch lactobacillus as well. Uh, so I think that this beer is just kind of a nice beer to have. Um It'll be sort of one of our cheaper beers since we can produce it pretty uh, quick and cheap. What's the IBUs? Mm. Zero. Zero. No hops in gotcha. this beer. Okay, it's, so it could, could get tart. It could get very tart, yeah. But is it does it start off tart, or is it something that you just kind of expect it to... So the way I've been doing it recently is that I'm basically pitching uh, the lactobacillus, letting that run for a day or two, and then pitching the Britannomyces. Okay, so you definitely... It's going to be tart. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. And so we're shooting for a tart beer, um, but... The goal with this was to leave a little bit of residual sugars left Wow! Uh, after fermentation for so that it's not overpoweringly sour, I guess. Yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, awesome. that's great. What, uh, what dre? Uh, what dre? What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I uh, have a bias there. <laughs> what, uh, Brett? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Uh, it's... Uh, it's actually 12 different Brett strains. Uh, mm. We're using... Is it the Omegas? Yeah, uh, the Omega. The perfect. Um, which will be... That's, you know, that'll be pretty much what we'll do for a lot of our sour beers. We, How Mitch was saying that um, a lot of his beers are co-pitched with Saccharomyces. Most of our sour beers will be 100% Britannomyces fermented, mm-hmm. um, which just allows us to differentiate ourselves a little bit. Um, that is... Yeah. It's so got a good. great profile. Yeah, it's nice. like you know you don't have to rely on that crutch of Saccharomyces to help get you through it, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and I just think it's something different, um, especially for like a lighter beer like this. I still wanted to have a you know a nice body to it, and you know not feel like I was drinking a three and a half percent beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, um, you know, not completely drying out kind of helps us out with that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It's got great body for a tiny uh-huh. beer. Awesome. Thank you guys yeah. so much. Yeah. What is the oat? And we well, what's a grist? <laughs> so oddly enough, this is the exact same grist, percentage-wise, as my uh, New England IPAs. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So. Uh, Mostly pills. Yeah, 25, 25, and fifty. Okay. Okay. Yep. So wow. you're not That's you're not just oats. doing funky beer out there. No, we'll be doing clean beers as well. Oh, cool. Yep. But our clean beers, uh, we'll be using the Kvyk yeast as our house. Nice. Clean beer yeast with parentheses there. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that for what we're doing, it's going to allow us to. To make the beers that we want to make without temperature control, sure. Uh, on the clean side, so it's still so, kind of farmhousey in a way. Farmhousey, yeah, because you can still get some of the farmhouse esters, but it's mm-hmm. or, not esters, uh, but it's still it still has a nice clean profile to it, mm-hmm. and uh, 
the Hornadal in particular drops clean, mm-hmm. completely clear after it's done fermenting. Hornadal is amazing. Yeah, it smells yeah. Like so versatile. Throughout like that primary fermentation, it just smells like a lager to me. Yep, John, you it's did. Really you cool. guys did a couple. We did a couple. Yeah, yeah, just one. We've just done the one with Pigeon Hill, right? Yeah, we did that with Pigeon. Oh, Hill. that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah, you did the Kavike. Yeah, that's that was we're actually both doing a collaboration with them in March. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's March seventh. Yeah, yeah, we're heading nice. out. So. Yeah. Well, all three of you guys are. No, we're we're doing one with Pigeon Hill and and Josh. You're gonna do one separately, yep. right? Exactly. Oh, I got yep. you. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Nice. We yeah. like to collaborate, apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John, t- That's uh, the fun part. So, w- tell me about, uh, and obviously I know because I work in the Mitten. Uh, but <laughs> but I guess tell us about the Mitten's Farm Team project. Yeah. So, uh, the Mitten makes a lot of clean beer, right? For sure. Uh, Really good clean beer, by the way. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm fairly new to the Mitten, honestly. I've been there um, going on a year and a half now. Um, I worked with, I actually was, I worked in libraries forever. Oh, wow. Uh, retired from the library, went to CC, Grand Rapids Community College, to be a brewer, um, and started working with Jeff, uh, Jeff Williams at Pike 51. I was his intern. Makes a lot of funky, sour beer out there. Well, he came on board to the Mitten, and he and I are now uh, trying to make this new thing, this farm team, this mixed mixed culture uh, project. Lots of barrel-aged beers, lots of sour and funky beer, lots of Saison, all that fun stuff. Bring a whole new niche to the Mitten. Uh, so we that should be a beer name. Yeah. A whole new niche. A whole new niche to the Mitten. That'd be a great beer name. Have, uh, <laughs> have John and Jeff as like Aladdin and Jasmine. Actually, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm niche. thinking more like. I'm thinking more like one star. Still don't like to say that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So so we're we're experimenting right now. We've got a lot of barrels, a lot of things in progress right now. I brought uh, our our first offering, which is a saison, uh, a Brett saison. We procured six uh, Italian red wine puncheons. We're making a sol- solera with them. Uh, this one's Brett. Uh, it's the CM or it's the White Labs uh, farmhouse. It's a Brett and Sack strain mm-hmm. and nice. Bell Saison. Of course. What yeah. uh, real it's quick? Nice. Yeah. It's what, awesome. what is a Solera? So a Solera is um, basically we've pitched cultures into these into these giant barrels. We're pulling beer off. We're putting new word in. We're letting the cultures that are in there ferment more so so you never have to add new we don't actually necessarily add any more cultures to keep this going what percentage are you pulling off and topping up with well so they end up being about four four barrels of beer per so we're we're taking off three quarters and leaving a a quarter behind Mm -hmm. Uh, we've we've pulled out of four of them so far and then you're just dumping the unfermented word on and then just hoping that it does its thing yeah, and it's it's working great. So far, so, far, so good. <laughs> so far, so Excellent. good. They are happy to keep fermenting. Um, so, this is not a sour beer, but it's a mixed culture beer. It's um, it's oaky, it's tannic, it's bready. It's it's got a lot to offer. So it's a it's that new niche for the mitten. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice having you guys on. You know, because my my world. Um, and like I said, I failed to introduce myself. Uh, I'm, I'm the head cellarman at the Mitten Brewing Company. And my world is surrounded by clean beer mm-hmm. all the time. Very, very uh, clean very, environment. Very clean environment, exactly. Yeah. Other than some of the shady characters. Some right? of the sh- yeah, exactly. Yeah, some of the some of the shady guys that come around here. Um, 
And no, it, it really is nice to have you guys on board doing this because we never had the opportunity to. Um, and we, you know, we've recently expanded our space uh, to uh, encompass the farm team and, and what it has to offer. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, our, our warehouse is literally split down the middle. Yep. Half of it is clean beer. The other half is the exact opposite. Yep. <laughs> Production side and the farm. Sure, yeah. So do you guys separate that by a wall or just... Nope. Well... It's physically separated. All right. I take that back. It's spatially separated. It's okay. not physically separated. Gotcha. Yeah, there's like a yeah. small like gap, basically. Like we can drive a hilo through it and everything. Okay. I mean, we actually keep a lot of our grain like on the farm team side gotcha. um, and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, but they are o- open to each other. Okay. But, yeah, like, we have, what is it, like, 60, 60 uh, oak barrels mm-hmm. and then oh, the yeah. six wine punchins. Yeah, we, we got going right away. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it, we just, we, we, went, we went right into it immediately. Yeah, um, we've, wow. we've got about 100 barrels worth of liquid doing its thing in the farm already. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, that you, know, in October. You, and you and Jeff had the experience out at Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, doing that kind of stuff, whereas I think every other brewer at the Mitten was kind of in the dark about that and, sure. and had limited experience kind of making that style of beer. Absolutely. So, so yeah. what kind of beers do you intend on um, making, blending blending in uh, the future? So, well, we've got, we've got our punchins. Mm-hmm. That's a Saison base. Mm-hmm. Then we've got a Golden Sour, like a... a basically a light base beer. Mm-hmm. Then we've got a medium base beer that's, you know, it's also light. It's Pilsner malt, lots of adjuncts. Um, and we're trying to do this all with Michigan product mm-hmm. as well. So we're working with Emergent and uh, Empire Malt and, and, and a lot of local local hop providers and, and all of that. But so a medium base, we've got some Flanders base going. We've got uh, a Belgian triple in a, in a number of barrels. We've got, uh, shoot, I can't recall now. It's all kind of getting away from me. All the beers. We've got so many all things. Of them. Well, it doesn't help that you brewed all of them within like it, a one-month span and it was it loaded up. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. That, that had to have been tough to put Yeah, out. actually, Jeff and I, Jeff was, <laughs> Jeff was working on one side doing three-barrel clean beer, and I was working on the other side, trying to get the barrels put away and high low. And we've got we've got our three barrel brew house across the street too, so we're constantly like high lowing barrels back and forth in the winter uh, <laughs> on Leonard Street, which if you've been on, it's ridiculous anyways. But yeah, yeah. Um, and half the people are like, "Put that barrel in my trunk." Oh, yep. <laughs> yep, yep. You should attach was, a GoPro to yeah. that as you're driving. <laughs> Yeah, every, every single time. Every time we're bringing uh, kegs from production to the pub, uh, we always have people like, "Oh, hey, you can you know throw that in the back of my truck, or yeah, you know, hey, you bring that from me, or hey, I've been waiting for this." Oh, hey, that was funny the first hundred. Times. Yeah, exactly. That was funny the first hundred times. <laughs> that's a that's a montage video waiting mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. So right now we're trying to, we're actually we've got all the barrels filled now, so we're we're probably gonna start tasting somewhere sour sour barrels and see what to do with them in the next month or so. Can we start tasting some of that heritage saison? Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds really yeah, good. Yeah, I, I had a pint of it at the uh, pub. They served it in a, a pint. A pint? Served it in a pint glass. Whoops. Oh, wow. And uh, I was like, oh, Generous. 
I don't think I'm going to say anything about maybe, this. Maybe recognized you. <laughs> and then I drank. That's possible, but I don't know for a fact. Yeah. But uh, it was a very good pint. I enjoyed Great. it. Thank Mitch, you. Mitch, you're like a celebrity with like the brewing community, but like outside of that, you're just a nobody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Bartender. <laughs> so I had um, I was there a couple weeks ago at the Mitten, and I had the um, raspberry bread beer. Oh, oh yeah, yeah Brett Raspberry. That was actually Taylor's beer. Oh, no. Brett Raspberry? No, that was that Bob's. Was Bob's beer. That was Bob's beer. That's right. Yeah, gotcha. so, I, you know, a lot of, Bob, another, being another celebrity in the uh, uh, the, the brewer community. Another? Uh, there's there's many of them. <laughs> there's only one of you guys. <laughs> there, there can <laughs> Wait only be one. one. Um, no, he uh, he actually recently left, left brewing to pursue sales, uh, but his last mark on, uh, on the whole brewing thing was... Uh, was Brett Rasbarrel and, and actually I I feel like that was one of our first real uh, mixed fermentation like mixed culture beers that we had like actually done so it was fermented with Brett and uh, I believe uh, he threw a Rosa Layer blend in there um, which had Pediococcus, Lactobacillus and uh, um, yeah this was something that they had actually like set forward and decided hey we're gonna brew a funky beer and so they brewed a special base for it and they uh and they, this was a while ago too this was yeah it was yeah. a while ago this so was this probably was prior to the farm team then this was prior to yeah prior okay. to farm team yeah this was gotcha. even prior to john i believe is when we yeah. first put it into the barrels so we, oh. we put them into uh bourbon barrels that we had previously had i think our death to flying things in and uh yeah so I mean, but 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 the important part is, is that they set out to do it. This wasn't anything that was spontaneous or an accident or anything, you know, which which we've had in the past. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I thought it turned out really nice. And let it sit for the appropriate amount of time. Rosalier's really good, but it just takes like four. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it sat in the barrels for like at least what nine months. Yeah, which didn't even scratch this. It didn't scratch the surface. It could have. Oh been yeah. Something else entirely. That could have been in for three years, no problem. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, some. I think sometimes you, you get a little excited about you know wanting to pull a beer out because you're tasting mm-hmm. it out of the barrel and you're like, this is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could always be, better, I guess. How often do you guys taste the barrels at the farm? Farm in the farm. We haven't touched <laughs> any of the sour barrels yet. Like, haven't even tasted them? Not yet. How do you know oh. that they're sour, then? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> You're going to make us taste them. Yeah. Patience. Yeah, ownership is really like, hey, so what are we going to taste these barrels? Well, they've been saying yeah. that for a while. Well, yeah, they, and you're like, they, they, uh, they were saying when it, we're ready to. Yeah, they were yeah. saying it the day they went into the barrels. Like, are they ready yet? Or? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's hard for somebody, I mean, in ownership to, I shouldn't say that I'm in ownership, but it's, it's hard to, like, when it's, that's my thing. But when it's like, when you're used to clean beer all the time, to like, intentionally put beer in barrels knowing it's going to be a while sure that's that's hard i'm i remember starting home brewing and my first batch of beer like we get done brewing it so actually it, I, I can tell you the whole story but i'll, I'll give i'll give you the the shortened <laughs> version is that basically we underestimated the time it was going to take to brew we started at i think like eight o'clock at night 
And so here, here we are at four or five in the morning, just finishing up the Especially batch. Especially your first batch, it takes yeah. a while. Oh, of course, yeah. So, it, I mean, so you it, don't have a way to chill it. And absolutely, yeah, it took like it took like eight Throw it in hours. a snowbank. Yeah. And we we get the wort into the carboy and pitch the yeast, and then like, okay, now what? So we're looking at like I was like a pamphlet or something, <laughs> and it's like you gotta wait two weeks, and I'm like, what? Huh? I gotta wait. This is horrible. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't wait to do it again, and I couldn't wait to, um, you know. To, you caught the bug. To, to start start stacking them up, you know what I mean, so that I could always have something coming out when I brewed something and had to wait. You know, I was so impatient. And Set it, up your it's, pipeline, It's right? that yep. times times a million with, with, you know, with funky beer, because you got to put a beer in there, and then sometimes you're like, well, I'll see you in three years. Harboring <laughs> well, was actually really good training for that. Now, for not sure. like, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, it's that was good training because like I don't think about it anymore. I mean, we're chugging out hundreds of barrels oh, know, yeah. a month, and but we're just like, yeah, you know, it's, it's whatever. But in the early days, that like when I had like six carboys, it was like this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much beer here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Meanwhile, I'll drink like two pints a night, and it's like, oh, they're stacking up now. Oh yeah, uh, yep. So I, I, I have a couple questions actually that I was kind of I was ruminating today, kind of thinking about funky beer, um, and uh, a couple things came came to mind. Uh, do you think that in any way, like funky beer, hurts traditional craft beer in any way? Do you think it takes away from it, or do you think it adds I to think, it? And, and to me, it's a perfect complement to it. I mean, you, you have, um, to me, I think of clean beers as something that you can kind of crush. They can be complex, but for the most part, you know, you're kind of going in and drinking those beers as drinking beers, where to me, mm-hmm. a sour beer or a funky or wild beer is something that is, you know, a little bit more complex. and Maybe drink it a little slower. Drink it a little slower, sure. savor it a little bit more. I, I guess that question came about because I was thinking about how, you know, your macro breweries like, you know, Miller and Coors and Budweiser, um, obviously we we hurt them. You know, mm-hmm. craft beer hurts macro beer, and, and, and even self smaller subsection of craft beer is, is funky beer. Um, so, yeah, I just wonder if it, if it takes away from it. I don't personally feel that it does, but. Yeah, I, I guess I just, uh, I've mentioned this before, but I feel like, um, Sour, wild, funky beer is almost kind of it's in, in its own class outside of traditional beer. For sure. And, uh, and outside of wine and meat and cider and spirits. Like, it's kind of on its own. Like, there's obviously something in common, which is it uses barley. Sure. Um, and sometimes hops. Um, but in a lot of other ways, it takes elements from distilling and from winemaking. And it's just kind of on its own out there yeah, it really does seem like its own animal yeah a wild yeah. Animal. I, I, I think that it can actually <laughs> sort of help more people in the fold. i know that like for an example my girlfriend who actually works at speciation currently um she she doesn't like beer you know she doesn't like what most people think of as beer but if you put a speciation bottle in front of her she'll drink what do you, what do you mean she doesn't like beer like she doesn't she, she just doesn't like i think i think a lot of people don't like hops i think that's what it really comes down to yeah. people don't like bitterness and I think that sour beer bypasses that entire sort of flavor profile. Sure. And so it can bring somebody who might not necessarily want to ever buy a bottle of beer and bring them in to go to someplace like Speciation or the farm team. Interesting. And, so you're saying, like, so that someone who maybe, like, goes to a brewery and, like, gets the wine or the cider 
exactly. might actually approach the like sour beer because it's similar to that. Yeah, and a I think the biggest problem customers. is getting people to try it for the first time. Definitely. And then, and then, I then think once, once they, they do, try it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of our customers are people who are like, they maybe got dragged in on a tour, um, and they're like, okay, I guess I'll try something because I'm here. Sure. Uh, and then they try something and they're like, oh. Wait, this is beer? This does yeah. not taste like beer <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. And so after trying it, they'll maybe keep trying it sure. and get addicted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of our customers, a lot of our best customers don't drink any IPAs. They don't drink any thing other than sour, so wild, weird and funky beer. What, yeah. I mean, so what about the other side of that? The people who are like, I hate sours, I hate bread, I hate funky beer. Like, I hear about them on Untapped yeah. all the time. Every day. Yes, still don't like sours. I see it literally every day. Yeah. I mean, is there any way to make these those beers more approachable? I don't think we really need to make them more approachable. I mean, why, but why not, though? I mean, like, it, like don't you... Everyone, especially you as an owner, and you as an owner, uh, Josh, uh, wouldn't it seem important that you would want to like increase your customer base? To me, to me, this is where the kettle sours come in to bridge the gap. Sure. Um, you know, those people might be inter- interested mm-hmm. in it, and maybe they don't like some sour beer that they've tried, but they can go and buy a kettle sour since it's a cheaper price point. Sure. And and get a chance to try one that might not be as complex as funky. Yeah. And kind of get that taste for it, you know. Absolutely. We've certainly seen at the Minton heavily fruited, lightly soured yeah. beers. Yeah. Do bridge a gap. Yeah. Certainly. It's a, our servers say it all the time. This is a gateway sour. Absolutely. Yeah. I I I still I have an Instagram post that I was looking. I don't use Instagram, and I'm just starting to try to get back into it because my girlfriend uses it. <laughs> and um, but I was looking back on one of the. Like first posts I made in like I don't know three four probably five years ago now, and it was I was drinking Blushing Monk and I said it's like cheating on beer with beer, um, <laughs> and I, but I feel like that's super true for that's kind of true of sour beer. Yeah, you know sometimes it it's not it like 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 you were saying Mitch it's not beer at all like or like it's it's in its own realm you know and like maybe that's, that's kind of why I feel like I don't necessarily need to appeal to somebody that wants like a Bud Light, or sure. or even anything other than a funky or sour beer. I mean, I can try a little bit, but um, at the end of the day, we are a niche. We're making a niche product. You're making it for your for your existing customers. Yeah, base. and and having more customers is definitely good. But I don't think the way to get them is necessarily for us as a company to like, you know, make a clean beer necessarily. So the mission. That was actually there's a plenty. There's plenty of other amazing. Yeah clean beers out there like i don't know mm-hmm. if i necessarily need to try to bridge the gap the mission really. isn't to be some giant you know no. some sour massive you know brewery or anything it's just to have fun and pay our bills and yeah do something creative any brewer will tell positive. you they're not in, they're not in it for the money you cannot be in it for the money if you are you're just in the wrong. Yeah, business. exactly. You're right. in the wrong business. Absolutely. Go anywhere. Go to any other industry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we are a you know, culture of, of peoples who have been at this for thousands of years. Um, following a passion, honestly, I think that's that's what brewing is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Certainly. you know, on the way here, John, you were telling me even how, you know, working in the library, you didn't feel like you were doing uh, what your true calling was, but that you feel that way now. 
I loved and believed in what I did. Sure. Yeah. But this is where my passion lies. Absolutely. Yeah. It goes back to, you know, um, to, to me it goes back to, like, how it feels to cook for somebody or to make somebody food or something like that. I think there's, like, a... I get, like, a sort of a primal yeah. satisfaction out of making something for somebody else to enjoy, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, is... Uh, so is... Is mixed culture fermentation, is this like a manufactured movement? Is this like a modern manufactured movement? Or is this riding on the coattails of its predecessors, much like the traditional craft beer? I think probably a little bit of both, honestly. Um, There's more customers now, obviously, which impacts that equation. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I... I consider myself a history buff when it comes to a lot of beer stuff, but... I have no freaking idea if this kind of stuff existed, you know, 200 or even 100 years ago or, oh, yeah. or 1,000 mm. years ago. I mean, oh, yeah. I yes, think yes, beer yes. didn't exist 100 years ago. I think 100 years ago it was just sour beer. That's, what, yeah. that's your option. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either like four-day-old, you know, super hopped beer or it was True. probably a little tart. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, because I, I, I was I, – John and I taught a beer education class for our servers uh, the, the past couple of days, and one of the things that, you know, we talked about was – um, you know, like the origins of the IPA, or in 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 in, in uh, the the reasons why lagering uh, became so popular, in that you know, two hundred years ago, you were the luckiest person uh, if you were able to get your hands on a fresh beer, um, and that was just unheard of. And, and with the advent of lagering, um, that kind of brought fresher beer further distances, kind of thing. But w- when I think about stale beer, I don't ever think that I don't ever think sour. I always just think. Like stale, old, oxidized kind of thing. I think that's a new off flavor in the, in the grand scheme. <laughs> For sure. Because there wasn't even a possibility. It was. So, I mean, then. It was funky. So it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that flavor desirable, you think? I think it was normal. I think, yeah. I think it had that to was, have been des- desirable. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't have lasted however many thousands of years, basically. Then maybe, perhaps it was during the lager movement that that flavor became undesirable again. Well, I think once the technology was there to make clean beers on a consistent basis, then then you see it just took off. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. took off, and people associated with that flavor with beer, and that's why it became sort of, you know, up until maybe twenty years ago, there was one type of beer that ninety percent of the people in America drank, mm-hmm. and that was a light lager, you mm-hmm. know, or mm-hmm. a lager, and uh, yeah, I think that. You know, with the invention of that, invention of that, we kind of went away from the history of beer, and now you see people like Mitch, who are bringing it back to, sort of where it was, I guess. I know? think I just got a good understanding of it because this whole craft beer movement is a—it's a renaissance. We're bringing back what what beer used to be and what beer, you know, we're 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 fulfilling the potential of of beer, and that makes me feel like mixed culture beer is actually more a part of that than. Then it's, it is a part of that. It's kind of the, the tradition. Yeah. It's the tra- tradition, but like on steroids, because we can pick <laughs> yeah. much Because we have so much more power now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can choose to buy, you know, a selected 12 strains of Britannomyces and have that exactly. be essentially a clean Britannomyces beer. Mm-hmm. Or uh, some crazy weird huckleberry from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marquette. Yeah. Which to me that's so cool because you're supporting a, a farmer at the at the same time, you know, and so. Yeah. John, this beer is really good, by the it way. It is so good. 
It is so good. Thank you very Actually, much. Actually, I could probably use a little, a little <laughs> more. This reminds me of an OG uh, genetic drift right here. Definitely. Yeah. I this is like a little more crisp though than what I. Thank you. Yeah, when this first came out, it was a little more oaky than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's kind of mellowed. Yeah, it, it has nice. it has mellowed. Yeah, it was a little sharp. It was a little too tannic. You think it just had to come out of the barrel in order to mellow out like that? I'm not sure. Um, I was surprised at how tannic it was coming out of those barrels. Sure. I've never had anything be in a barrel for three months and then just be like, pow, oak. Um, I think it's It's tannic, be... but I don't think it's overwhelming. No, it's it's pretty pleasant now. Yeah. Yeah, but... How long it has took... it been uh, in battle for? Uh, three weeks. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, really? Fresh. Not long. Um, uh, was this bottle conditioned or force carved? This was force carved. Okay. Yeah. Do you plan on just sticking with that, or are you gonna go? Oh bottle? no, I, I I see us changing process for sure. Okay. Um, it's just kind of a temporary. We're we're still working out how we're gonna run the farm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also do too with like building the infrastructure around that because it is. It's you know, tough. Like we, like we said, I spent mm-hmm. my past four years with the Minton doing clean <laughs> beer, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, we're mm-hmm. doing you know, funky beer now, like, mm-hmm. that requires, you know, dedicated equipment. And people. Pe- yeah, mm-hmm. people, exactly. I mean, like the whole cross-contamination thing, like, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. You, I mean, speaking of cross-contamination, do you guys, like, do you ever see cross-contamination, or do you ever, like, I guess... And really dirty breweries. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> if they, if I see it in breweries that don't have good um, cleaning and sanitization procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you need to have a really solid plan of cleaning and sanitizing. And I think that if you have that, you're actually probably... You're fine. You're in the clear. And like, pretty much no matter what you do, if you have a good cleaning and sanitization. Everything that touches the beer touches sanitizer kind of thing. And you could even take it to a next to another extreme if you wanted to and separate equipment completely. Um, I just remember as a home brewer always being, you know, beware the bread. Yeah. You know, you, sure. you brew it's a, a real you you brew a bread beer, you better buy all new brand new That's kind of true as a home brewer. That's yeah, almost a sure. different animal cuz like all your equipment's plastic and like mm-hmm. you don't have you really don't have access to the chemicals, the pumps, no. the heat like that's true all the things that we have in a in a brewery setting i mean what allow about, us to do yeah great cip it's impossible really, to do as a home brewer that, yeah a lot of those things you're clutching it together as a home brewer yeah, which is it's great a, it's fun it's yeah. great it's ugly sometimes it is ugly sometimes. <laughs> were we were we all home brewers uh, oh yeah yeah For sure I did my first. <laughs> I did my first batch in '97. How much Whoa. bad beer did you make? God, I was ten. Ah, I was twenty-one. <laughs> oh my God, when you were twenty-one, I was young. I was five. I was like three. <laughs> yeah, let's just all talk about how old John is. <laughs> Common. Um, I remember making so many bad batches of beer as a home brewer. Like, oh, yeah. I probably made a hundred. No. no. I had 50 batches of beer and like 10 of them was good. <laughs> like truly but good. But they were so like, good. Like truly good. Yeah, no, like 10 of them were truly good. And your dollars were made straight Maybe like, maybe like a 30 total were like good. 
yeah. it's drinkable. Sure. <laughs> and like, then, like I can drink. And twenty, you know, you get to bottling, and then you wait the week for them to carbonate, and then you pop them open, and you're like, this is going right down the drain. Yeah, <laughs> I never waited a week. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, no, none of us did. But I waited like two days. Yeah, before yeah, I you wait two days, and exactly. I've got fifty bottles. I can sacrifice exactly every yeah. other day. By I'll the time they carbonate, they're gone. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I guess I never had any sour beer. You know, beer that got like sour due to infection or cross contamination. Oh, you're lucky. Those are some of the worst beers I've ever had in my yeah, life. I think they're mm-hmm. god awful. You know, uh, this is before you were on, John. We mm-hmm. all the brewers went out and we went over to Aaron's house, uh, the old brewer at the Mitten, and we uh, we all like uh, we had like a cookout and we did like a home brew and. Uh, we were super excited about it, and we just got like trashed around a bonfire and just like made beer. And <laughs> perfect. What yep. could go wrong? Nothing <laughs> could go wrong. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and we're you know we're sitting around the fire being like, wait, do we have the hops? I don't know. That kind of thing. At least you, know. you had clarity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And uh, then we, like a month later, you know, it's ready to be bottled, and we bottle it and everything, and it was so. <laughs> it was so bad. And so, we, like, Aaron just held on to it. And then, like, we come back to it nine months later, and we're like, oh, wait, there's a little bit of, like, like a tinge of, like, sourness coming out of it. And then we wait even longer. Like, a year and a half goes by, like, wait a minute, this is starting to get good. Right? <laughs> and then two years goes by, and we're drinking these bottles, like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so, and in, in a roundabout way, we did what we set out to do, but... Yeah, you um, got really lucky you there. Did. <laughs> <laughs> so lucky. So, that almost never happens. That's yeah. That's oh, that's true. bad. Oh, that's worse. Yeah. 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 That's we we moved to um, Colorado, my wife and I, in 2013, and I had been brewing like crazy, like what you described, uh, until then for five yes five years. On a homebrew scale. Yeah, homebrew okay. scale. Just like filled my basement. Uh, thousand square feet with carboys and brewing equipment and that kind of thing. And then we moved and I left pretty much all that there, including hundreds of bottles of homebrew. And when we moved recently, we moved back from Colorado and then we moved you just, again. Wait, you just left them there? Just left them there. We Somebody that I, my sister uh, leased the house for oh, us. Oh, gotcha. So I could just leave all the homebrewing stuff there. I wonder if they drank it. They did. But most of it wasn't <laughs> very good, so... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we, when we moved recently, we went through and uh, I was like, I've been holding on to these for forever. I should just start dumping them or drinking them. And so I started doing both. Like every week I would come home from work and like dump 10 bottles of different beers and see how they were. And most of them were surprisingly okay because they were like high alcohol mm-hmm. uh, bombs, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, so they you... didn't get sour or anything like that. Some of them were just gnarly. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's like a, you know, I wanted to brew like a mild. And sure. it's, you know, three and a half, four percent alcohol, 10 IUs. There's nothing to stand up against the tiniest little cell of mm-hmm. bacteria in there yeah. or Brett or whatever. So that was a fun experience going going through all the old homebrews. I guess what homebrews have to their you know benefit is that if there is even you know a skosh of IBU in the beer, the lactobacillus you know which sours quickly isn't going to take hold. Um, which I think was the case for that that brew that we did uh, with all the brewers that one time. And uh, but I think 
I know, obviously it was the pediococcus I think that took hold. Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, cause it, like I said, it took two years for it to actually become, you know, drinkable. So. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you got lucky. Yeah, we totally were lucky. <laughs> we really, we really did get lucky. Um, you think like cross contamination kind of plays a part in? If you call it contamination, I don't know. Okay, it, well, it's okay, a good thing. all right. Well, <laughs> you're starting <laughs> off no, on no, the wrong. No. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, how nice. would I describe it? Does the does the transference of bacteria? Does the, the hold on, hold on, no, 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 I got this, I got this. Does the does the um, um, unintentional transference of bacteria from one uh, you did it one again, brand, man. Unintentional. It is un. That's, un, that's no. That's what I'm talking about here. It is un, is unintentional transference of bacteria from one uh, brand to another. I mean, is that real? Like, like with what you're doing, Mitch, or like what with your doing, or what, what any of us are doing. It's I mean, real at speciation. Yeah. Uh, Isn't mean, that barrel, barrels are porous and they? Oh, it is real. Okay, so all of a sudden I'm vindicated here. Never mind. I got you. <laughs> no, but yeah, but seriously, like, you know, could. Brands, brands will change, doing... right? Well, our, our, like, one of our flagship beers is called Genetic Drift. And that's more or less because we know that we have a house culture that's really strong and it's going to change and shift over time. But, like, there's, you're not going to get rid of that in our brewery. So, like, we could try to brew a clean beer. And we actually talked about it with our uh, collab with Josh. Uh, we, we thought maybe we should try some kind of clean beer, but... We realized, like, within a week that it was just impossible in our brewery because ev- our culture is everywhere, and it is in everything. So you would never attempt a clean beer? I just, at this point, it's just not possible in our brewery. I'd have to have a totally separate area with totally, you know, because our equipment is not designed. The equipment that we have at the brewery is not designed to make clean beer. It's hmm. just not. It's stuff that we put together. It's, you know... Uh, cheap hoses not bad quality just cheap hoses and um it's all intended to be for a sour brewery so yeah our cultures just get everywhere no matter what and there's that becomes part of like the like um part of like the romanticism though doesn't it yeah for us definitely and that's almost a good reason why we're not gonna attempt a clean beer it's because we've got this culture going and it is our brewery so we should just run with it like it's a unique thing um to have a culture built in so that's why i love their brand name too i mean it's on the nose man genetic drift yeah. and i be- that beer has drifted a lot yeah like, man your your uh heritage saison reminds me a lot of early genetic drift yeah and we know that beer is going to change significantly yeah you taste this is the f- first iteration yeah you taste our genetic drift now and it's yeah. very different from is genetic drift mm-hmm. sour now uh, it is definitely drifted. The pH has drifted down further and further every... So you think the amount of sour bacteria has probably increased yep. the population? Yep, and we, we can control that a little bit by blending in. Uh, so we also do a Solera with genetic drift or Saison. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds Thank you, like Josh. Beer. What do we have here? <laughs> what is that? Too long. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we, we do blend in like hopped. Um, genetic drift is usually around 20 IBUs, but sometimes that, that IBU drops a little bit or because we might blend in a little bit of unhopped uh, wort. Um, Wait, so, so are you looking at like, are you looking at PDO or? Um, I mean, probably. We don't 
it was all open fermented to begin with, so. Is genetic drift being turned pretty quickly or no? Uh, it used to be turned probably once a month. We would release about, I don't know, 100 and something And that's not, that's not enough time for PD to do his thing. No, but it's in a fooder now. In yeah. the fooder, we're doing full-on Solera, like real Solera, where we're pulling off, you know, only 30% of it. Oh, really? Then, and then topping it back up. And that, you know... Was that your first fooder? Uh, this is a new, our new fooder. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, new. It's a year old. Is that the one in the tap room? <clears throat> That's the one in the tap room. Yep. Beautiful. I like those. Super jealous. It's a Fooder nice, crafter. It's a nice <laughs> one. Who did you get like that from? What's that? Who'd you get it from? Uh, Food Crafters. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, we were looking at those, too. <clears throat> so, it's definitely... Yeah, I am, too. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Josh, what are we drinking uh, right now? This yeah. is uh, Philosophize This, actually named nice. after a favorite podcast of mine, uh, just about philosophy and stuff. But this is a... This is essentially a double Marley beer. So, this is kind of our base grist for mm -hmm. our sour beers. Um, Another three three point nine No, this is about it's a eight, double though. This is about eight and a half percent. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the tag. Oh, I was looking at the wrong tag. Uh, it doesn't cool. have much information gotcha. on it. Um, but yeah, then this was. Uh, I'm sorry. Grist. I'm sorry. What was the ABV? Uh, about eight and a half percent. Dang. Yep. Yeah. And so it finished off about ten oh double oh eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got a little bit of sugars left in it. Um, again, same grist, 25 wheat, 25 oat, mm -hmm. 50 pills. I think you don't see a lot of high ABV sour beer. Bavant? Bavant. Yeah, well, yeah, they do quite yeah, a bit, Bavant. actually. Bavant. A lot of theirs are like up 9, 10%. Or higher. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. totally. And Crooked Stave has some, too, that are mm -hmm. Yeah, Bavant higher. has that uh, Zazon. They have well, a little yeah. <clears throat> a kiss of tartness to it. It's really good. That's one of their clean beers, I think. I, I Isn't mean, it? I don't know. I've, I've had the Zazon sure. before that was definitely sour. Interesting. So I don't, I mean, unless they rebranded. <laughs> I can't comment. Way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. Can't speak on that. Um, so uh, I guess a couple things I want to like talk about here. So uh, forgive us, Josh. We have this really neat D&D practice. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about I'm this. I'm so excited about this. So, uh, John actually, so I'm, I'm actually the dungeon master for a group that John plays in here. Um, yep. And I play in another group. And I finally, finally D&D'd in my 40s. Exactly. It's amazing, isn't I, it? Yeah, I, I love it. I can't get enough D&D, &D, to be honest. Um, but, I don't, yeah, do you want to, like, kind of tell us what's going on with this thing? Well... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, who should talk about it? I don't know. We were, we were sitting. Whose idea was it first? Well, we were sitting down. Actually, it wasn't any at your place. Uh, yeah, it just kind of happened. We were talking about how 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 are we gonna have a collab? How's yeah. the mitten gonna collab with speciation? And we didn't want it to be like, okay, let's pick a golden sour base, <laughs> and let's pick a fruit. Although this ultimately kind of... This is how it, <laughs> yeah, it kind of evolved that it's way, It's kind right? of evolved. Uh, but yeah, we were like, let's not just just pick, you know, a random... Okay, we're going to pick a random... Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. How can we do okay, this? Okay, we're going to pick Why don't we random. roll some dice yeah. to choose how we're going to make a beer? Wait, wait. You play D&D. &D. Yeah, and we... Well, we yeah, I'm playing D&D &D too. Yeah, it just caught on. We're like, oh, D&D's... It's a blast. It's so much yeah. fun. And then that just naturally 
I, I unfortunately get wind of it, and I can't help but to be like, I want my sticky little fingers all over this. Yes, indeed. So essentially, the, the idea behind the beer, uh, or beers, this easily could be a series and probably will be a series, um, uh, 1E, is... Um, <laughs> I love it that is, name. Uh, <laughs> 1E e is... is uh, it's, it's a, we're going to play a... Each, each D&D has an edition, you know, so there's 3.5. Or like they release like a rule book. Each version of the game. So like the current version is 5E, and so what Mitch gotcha. is talking about is 1E, the first edition of our D&D beer project. Oh. Which I think is going to be called... The Brotherhood of the Traveling Barrels. I I have it in my something like I have that. my spreadsheet as Brewers and Barrels as opposed to Dungeons and Dragons. I think Dragons. we all are calling this beer something different. I'm nice. Sure, that's yeah, ab- <laughs> we'll get there eventually. We got a long time before. Yeah, we exactly. Yeah, we yeah we <laughs> have to uh, yeah. So we're we're gonna play a round or a game, a one-off sen- session essentially of D and D that uh, Taylor created for us. Uh, I think has created. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it like ready to go? Uh, I mean, I still have to put the like the polish on it. Okay, but, so we mm-hmm. we went through and um, kind of said, okay, there's these hundred or something variables that could be in a beer. Uh, let's play a game to decide, kind of at, essentially at random, what the ingredients are going to oh, be. Oh, it is so random. I can't describe but, to you but, how <laughs> complex these randomizations <laughs> are. That's great. I love that. So so this game that we're going to play will decide what beer we will make. Yeah. And in theory, you could play this with a, a whole nother round, and the decisions that are made during the game will, you know, you'll end up with a totally different beer because of all the variables we've thrown into it. Yeah, so basically behind the scenes, you know, I, I'll, I'll be... I'll Don't be, tell us too much. I won't. Of course not. No, I, I, would, I would never ruin this for you. Just uh, a tease. Come on. The, I'm uh, so excited. <laughs> no, uh, uh, maybe a tease. Well, uh, so the... Uh, Basically, there's all these factors of the beer. So, like, what kind of base model are we using? What kind of bacteria are going to be using? Is there going to be fruit? Maybe no. Or is it going to be spices? Maybe, maybe no. Maybe yes. Um, and so there, there's all these factors. You know, hops, yes or no. Basically, we're coming up with all the ingredients of this beer. And then it's, uh, it's up to the brewery to use them in any way that they see fit. Um, and so, basically, there are certain decisions that will be made during the actual gameplay that will determine... You know what's actually happening. So uh, here, here's your little teaser: is that is at one point you will go through the field of Untapped, and oh, you'll no. <laughs> you will. It, I believe that's the seventh. Oh, by the way, it's the uh, it's the nine cellars of hell, and uh, oh. I believe this is the seventh the seventh cellar. And uh, amazing. And um, mm. you know you'll you have to survive it, but based on the decisions that you make, unbeknownst to you behind the scenes, you'll you'll be making decisions about what the ingredients of this beer is. Um, and then uh, I believe we're getting uh, wine barrels, correct? I have no idea. We still uh, have I to think... make a few decisions on <laughs> Yeah, this. sure. I, I think that's what we decided. <laughs> so, something along those lines, but basically they will be getting uh, some sort of barrels. We'll, it's up to the brewers to determine what, in what amounts they want to use these ingredients. Um, you know, make this beer, put it in the barrels. And, and one then... one is happening at the men. Yes, the it's happening at the men. It's happening at the farm. It's going to happen team. at the farm. Yeah, at the yeah. farm. Where is the it, farm, it, it, by the way? The farm is, uh, it's across the street from the mitten. Okay. In our gotcha. production facility. Gotcha. Yep. Um, and we have, like, all these barrels stacked up to the ceiling. 
perfect yeah. environment for. Absolutely, right. there's all this yeah, wood everywhere, and it's like a, almost a little spooky. Yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, we should definitely have the lights turned down while we. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, it's gonna and it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be all, all candles. Exactly, it's only gonna be by candles. Yeah. Sweet. Yep. Um, I wanted to make like a big like uh, I wanted to. Uh, um, like really fuel people's uh, negative stigmas about D and D by like making a giant pentagram or something. <laughs> you know, like feel feel those eighties stigmas like D and D is evil. Uh, satanic panic. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The satanic panic. Exactly. Um, I'm not actually gonna do that. Well, uh, that <laughs> don't don't well, you don't have don't to. Don't quote me on that. We will that. when we do 2E at Speciation. Exactly. We'll pull out the skulls and the candles. And yeah. So yeah, there the you there, there you go. That's the important part. Is that after we empty those barrels, then we do the next one off, and then Speciation and a different brewery will play the game, um, and will determine the next beer that goes in that same barrel. And then hopefully that barrel just keeps traveling from barrel to barrel. As as Mitch said, the or John, uh, I think it was you, the, the brotherhood of the traveling barrel. Yeah, that's that's what I, the idea I would love to see. The idea is just to see where it goes, right? Yeah. So, with, this, with this, like, groundwork of the game. But, yeah, I I'd mean, love to see this thing move around the country. Yeah, it'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. The whole thing is built around funky beer, and mm-hmm. um, as it should be because... You know, inevitably, whether we want it to be or not, it would eventually become funky, anyways. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's start out that way. <laughs> let's just, yeah, exactly. Let's just get it out of the way. Just you know, whatever. Um, I wanna, I wanna ask one last question before we we finish up today. Um, is the funk here to stay? I think Josh should start with this one because I started with the first question. Um, I hope so. You hope so. Yeah, open a brewery. I hope so, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's yeah. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I, I think I think so. I think that we're just seeing the beginning of American sour beer. To be honest, yeah, um, I think you're really just really starting to see people really really stretch their you know stretch their legs with this a little bit and really start to experiment. And I think uh, Mitch, for one, is kind of leading that charge, especially here in Michigan. Absolutely, yeah. true. Yeah, I I hope it. Um, I, I don't hope. I'm 99% certain that it's here to stay because most people that realize that they enjoy it and they really like it and they have the means to acquire it aren't, like, just walking away. They're like, ah, oh, I don't like sour beer anymore, yeah. and they're just yeah. going to stop drinking Yeah, it. of course not. Um, so I don't really see it going away, at least not anytime soon. So it's not a fad. It's not glitter beer. I mean, it, it's certainly <laughs> Wait a not a fad in that sense. Yeah, we're, we're working on a uh, sour glitter beer right now. Especially oh, given the nature of yeah, how long glitter. it takes to make. Like, um, And obviously that means that there's already some longevity there, considering it's been a fad, air quotes, fad for 10 years or something like that, sure. and still gaining popularity. I honestly kind of take the position that it's the future of craft beer. Um, when I go to, when I, I travel a lot, when I go to a brewery anywhere, I don't necessarily want to just taste like their IPA that was made with fireman malt and hops from Yakima. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you can literally get that beer anywhere, which is cool. And there's a place for that. But, uh, my favorite thing to drink while traveling is like a mixed culture Saison, mm-hmm. um, or a spontaneously fermented beer, because that is something that you're not going to get anywhere else because you actually get the terroir yeah it's it's beer that's produced because of the place it's being produced and yeah. it can't be replicated it, re- it reflects it reflects location yeah 
Yeah. That's probably the beauty of it too. Is that I'm sure you see that you know, we, I, Mitch, and I only say that to you because you have the most experience. I think of all of us that it it kind of is. Uh, er, er, you cannot replicate it. Yeah. Oh. Every time it's a little different. That's that's my call, at least. Sure. <laughs> Keeps people coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see it kind of taking the a similar tra- trajectory to like a wine, to more like the wine market. I mean, I think that it's something that people re- recognize as more of a specialty type of product. Sure. And I think, um, you know, people like us, you know spend more time making these beers, mm-hmm. put more into it, put more time into it. Um, and I think that as the consumer continues to learn about the process that goes behind it, um, you know, I think that that's, the, that's kind of the biggest battle that we have to face to continue the growth of sour beer. Yeah, for sure. What do we have here, Mitch? Uh, this is um, Extropian. We kind of have... So I, the, the speciation is an evolutionary biology-themed brewery, but I also am a big sci-fi nerd. I'm just a nerd in general, probably. <laughs> well, you have to say that after the D&D guys. We're all right. <laughs> we're I don't all know, here. I think we're, we're at a table there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here, it's, no. it's all out in the open now. Um, so this, we, we've brewed a couple beers uh, for McKellar Beer Club, and um, I kind of have taken like this transhumanist uh like sci-fi perspective and we're making these beers that have vanilla in them and they're fruited sours basically but then it kind of goes in all these different directions but it's inspired by like is that a trilobite uh yes yeah but it's like a half electronic computer chip uh trilobite and a half it's cool uh, organic so um, this beer smells like it was very expensive to produce. It was ex- <laughs> it was incredibly expensive. The that yeah. I smell coming through off of it. Yeah. Um, so it's a golden sour from our fooder, um, and then we added peaches, uh, vanilla, and cinnamon. Yeah, that cinnamon comes wow. through so nicely. It actually reminds cinnamon me of, um, scary, but yeah, yeah. It reminds me of like the white stouts that are becoming kind of popular. Oh right yeah. It's really kind of... If you weren't looking at this beer, you wouldn't know what you were drinking. No, no yeah. idea. It's definitely not. Yeah, this is a... Sure, yeah, I get that now. <laughs> Just going into it blind, it's a yeah, little... Yeah, you could tell me that this was this was like a brown ale. It's almost like and you're I, drinking yeah. it on the radio or on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. you guys have no idea <laughs> yeah, what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so this we, is incredible. We, thank you. It's um, always dangerous when you're playing with... Well, peaches are pretty safe in beer, but... Vanilla, very easy to mess up. Cinnamon, mm-hmm. cinnamon man, like you're, what's 90. your deal with it? You, you've done. I've had. This is my second beer that I've had. Yeah, that gene flow is really nice with the cinnamon. Yeah, sweet. With the actually, cinnamon. we have, I think, three beers with cinnamon now. And they're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the part that you say that incredulously. I, I, I you don't want to like incredulously <laughs> because yeah, but exactly. You don't want it. You're like, oh, the yeah. cinnamon. No, this doesn't belong here. It scares like, a lot oh, of people off until sure. they taste it. Uh, kind of like, like sour beer in general. Almost like a woodiness from cinnamon that can mm-hmm. be off-putting. Sure, I get that. So it has to be a very, it has to be you know done well, I believe. Well, the way we do it, uh, with vanilla as well, is we add it and um, paint. Straining bags. They're just, they're just bags, mm-hmm. mesh bags. Um, it's kind of like a brew in a bag kind of bag, right? Totally. Yeah. It, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so we add them in there and tie it off with uh, dental floss and throw it in the manway of the tank. We taste it uh, every day. And then once it gets to the level that we like with the vanilla and the cinnamon, we pull it. And actually, that's smart. Actually, we let it day? get one day past the level that we like in general, because we know it's going to fade a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, I was just going to say every time we've tried cinnamon and mint, it just it diminished it. It becomes diminished so so quickly. And it's just it goes from really really intense to like mm-hmm. just weird, like, yeah, just, yeah, muddled. Yeah, muddled. So that's kind of our approach to cinnamon. We've done it. We've done three cinnamon sours. I think the first brewery that I had. Uh, sour beer with cinnamon and it was rare barrel mm. and uh i just like their their approach to creating a balanced beer with it which is really hard to do so is this your normal base golden sour because mm-hmm. to me it has a, a bigger body than a lot of a lot of i think that's the vanilla um, yeah. so the vanilla like you can taste it but it's not like really in your face um i say this a lot and it's true. I wish I could add vanilla to like almost all of our beer. <laughs> um, I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I just it's one of those flavors that I think it rounds uh, everything it out. Rounds so, things out, especially yeah. in sour beer, especially in our particular cultures. For whatever reason, vanilla um, just rounds things out, makes it smoother, makes it a little more like full bodied. Because these are all very very dry beers. Like everything we release is very dry. Mm-hmm. And and the uh, you know seventh layer of untapped hell or whatever (laughs) Uh, there's every day there's probably 10 people that check in our beer and say so sweet i can't even drink it Mm -hmm. and i'm like the final gravity on this beer is below one there's no oh it's not well yeah vanilla definitely gives the perception of of sweetness i mean every time Mm -hmm. we've added vanilla to a beer it's yeah, I mean, it definitely tastes sweeter than what it actually is. Sure. I think I think because those flavors are associated with sweet things. Mm-hmm. But they can work really well without the sweet component. And mm-hmm. it just kind of, like, triggers that part in your brain where you're like, oh, it's balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me. Like, yeah. it helps. It helps. And we aren't it's, adding tons of vanilla. We're adding, like, a pound per ten barrels. So it's not like... Really? It's yeah. not... Yeah, one pound per ten barrels. Sometimes, like, a pound and a half, depending. Like, we'll let it sit in there for five days maybe a week and then we'll be like it's not quite doing what we want and then we'll add a little more and then taste okay. again you know, we've had a lot a hard, of vanilla these days though. we've had a hard time yeah getting our hands up vanilla it's so expensive it's now. so hard i check yeah. i check uh, a number of websites once a week pretty much like i'll get into the office and check them and the varieties change every single week and mm. whenever i see something that i really like and just buy it even though i don't have a plan because you know, you know you're gonna want it. I know I'm gonna want it for something <laughs> eventually. Our, you know, our, our, vanilla, that's for sure. our death to flying things, uh, which is our bourbon barrel aged imperial stout, um, has vanilla that we add into the barrels once they enter the barrels, and it's just been so hard to find a reliable source for vanilla lately that we've just kind of put it on hold. Whereas you know, like we should have brewed it three months ago now mm-hmm. but we're just, it's just waiting it's so damn expensive right yeah. now. yeah it's extremely expensive it's you know it's hard to find so it's yeah yeah we're paying what 400 and something dollars a pound yeah it's crazy is that, is that right yeah sounds about, sounds right. about right yeah yeah, like yeah four, you know, depending on what i'm buying and when i'm buying it, mm-hmm. it's like 400 to 500 dollars. you can't pound. always well you can but the rest of us can't charge what we want to for <laughs> for uh, <laughs> to be fair we try to kind of balance it out like our cost 
some beers, the cost is pretty low, but we charge, we still charge like the premium amount. And then some beers like this one, we're still charging $22 a bottle. And maybe even though our cost was way higher than our other beers that sure. just had free And maybe people don't get that they're paying for what they're getting either. No, they you don't know what I mean? That, oh, this is some, this is $20 a bottle. And that's, this is $30 that's, a bottle. That's no, why it, we balance it, is, it out. A yeah, it's bit. worth, it, it is, it is worth that because of how expensive it is to actually make these things and make them right. Yeah. As we said, as we were talking about in the beginning, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, hey, let's, uh, we're going to wrap this up. I, I appreciate you guys coming out and chatting with me today. Yeah, um, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it was great meeting you guys. Yeah, we're here at WKTV Studios, and uh, John, Josh, Mitch, like I said, thanks for coming out again. Thanks, Cheers. Taylor. Thanks cool. for having us. Yeah, thank Cheers, you. Cheers, guys. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, are we going to go across the seat? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs>